Welcome. This is the CGMI Living Springs Gospel Podcast. Stay tuned as you listen to the Word of God. Today we'll be reviewing chapter 13 and 14 of the book of Romans. How many people have read it now? If you have read it now, let's see. From chapter one to from verse one to seven of chapter thirteen, Paul starts to give counsel. You know, in the beginning of this book, Paul tried to create a an understanding about what matters to God, what matters in what matters in our work with Christ, what is relevant and what's not relevant, right? So towards the later chapter, he begins to give general counsel on how to live with one another, how to carry that life and live it out with other people. So in Um, chapter 13 he starts by talking about our relationships with authorities or with those in authority so from verse 1 he starts to say that we should respect those in authority we should honor them and he says that because all authority comes from god he says all authority comes from god every authority is instituted by god so i'll read um i'll just read verse 1 to 3 It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Right? It says all authority is instituted by God. So we must respect authority. We must honor them. We must subject ourselves to the governing authorities because they are instituted by God. But you see in verse 3, he starts to explain the relevance of that authority. Verse 3. So he says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. For rulers are not what? A terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister, from verse 4 says, for he is God's minister of, to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger, to execute wrath on him. So you see that this scripture goes two ways. It says that you must subject yourself to authority. You must subject yourself to respect the constituted or instituted authority. Because all authority is derived from God. Then he goes forward to say that authority is not meant to be a terror to good. It's not meant to be a terror to good. It's meant to actually support those who do good and punish evil. It's not meant to support good, encourage good, and punish evil. He says, so if you do good, you shouldn't be afraid of the authorities. But if you do evil, be afraid, right? Some, some people have tried to separate this and say, oh, this authority that Paul was talking about is the authority or that is instituted in the church or in the organization church church organization that oh doesn't necessarily mean the what some people will call secular authorities and everything but i don't think that they say they say there's a difference the truth is that all authorities from god all authority was instituted by god the fact that some people take advantage of the authority to then become terror to good and supporters of evil does not negate the institution of the authority as being not of God. So we must be subject to authority. 
Because if you disobey, you actually are resisting something that was instituted by God. Amen. I'll move on to uh, verse 8. Verse, from verse 8, he starts to talk about... So he started by talking about our relationship with authority or with those in authority. Then from verse 8, he starts to talk about our relationship with one another. Let's read, let's read from verse 8. Romans um, 13 from verse 8. It says, Own no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Own no one anything except to love them. It means that the summation of your relationship with anybody must be love. And you owe, you owe that love to every man. To love them. All through the New Testament, we see this same um, discussion. We see it in First John, it's all over, about how we must love one another. Because, in fact, Jesus himself was asked, what's the most important commandment? And he says, there are two of them, and two of them are the same. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The summation of the nature of God that you have received is love. So he says, all your relationship with men should be guided by one principle, that you love them. Not by any other thing. Not by tribe, not by country, not by anything other than love for them. Genuine love for them. So from verse 9, it starts to explain why. And it starts to bring it together. It says, okay, it says from verse, from verse 8b, it says, For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. The law, the commandment of the law has been fulfilled in love. How? It says, for the commandments... For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you, sh- false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I think one, some time ago we had talked about this. This is why Jesus said, I am the fulfillment of the law. Because if you have received this nature to love and you actually love, you have fulfilled everything in the law. Because you will not commit adultery if you genuinely love. If you genuinely love, you will not commit adultery. If you genuinely love, you will not steal. If you genuinely love, you will not covet. I dare say that the commandment was given as a guide to help you love. The commandments, the least of plenty commandments was given as a guide to help you love. Even though love is impossible without the very nature that is love. And that's what we have received in Christ. So that now we can exhibit the same nature that we have received. So what we need to do is to put on the nature of Christ that we have received. Let that nature of Christ that we have received show forth in everything we do, in everywhere we go. Let that nature that we have received be made visible to everyone that encounters us. Let them see the love of God in our hearts. Let them see the love of God in our deeds. Let them see the love of God in our deeds. Instead of worrying about whether you are committing adultery or whether you are whether you are or, or how you will stop lying or how you will stop doing all the bad things you do why don't you just focus on loving first and then watch yourself stop doing the things that you think that you need to stop just focus on loving first that's what Paul was trying to say here he, says, he that loves has fulfilled the law and towards the end he starts to say don't let, don't let, the, don't let the flesh don't let the, the flesh begin to gain ground in your life don't let it find a hold in you don't let it find space to exhibit itself in your life. Let your very nature be the nature of love because that's the nature that you have received. Let everything that you do carry that love. I think that many times we spend too much time trying to look for trying to look for ways to qualify the things that we do as being right. 
when all that Christ requires from you is to love. Make your decisions out of love. And you will soon realize that all your actions are aligned with God. Because God is love. So from verse 14, I think it takes, from chapter 14, I think it takes this discussion a bit further. Chapter 13, the beginning, beginning part talks about our relationship with authorities. Then it goes to our relationship with one another. And then how we must show forth the nature of Christ that we have received. And I think in chapter 14, it takes it a bit further. From verse 1, it starts to talk about how we should not judge one another. How we should not judge one another. How we must not judge one another. Let's read. It starts by saying, from verse 1, it says, Receive, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Two things I want to point out here. The first one, it says, receive those who are weak. The first thing that comes to your mind is that those who are weak are those who are still doing bad things. Or those who have come to church but they still have the little things that they are doing that's not right, so they are weak. But if you check here, the weakness he's talking about is not the weakness of deeds. It's the weakness of faith. So sometimes those of us who think we are the strongest are actually the weak ones. He says, receive one who is weak, where? In the faith. But not to dispute over doubtful things. So receive the person who is weak in faith, whose faith does not believe that he has been saved or he has been cleansed from certain things or that he still needs to avoid certain things or to constrain himself from certain things to receive the qualification of Jesus Christ. He says receive them. But not to, not to dispute. Don't receive them so that you can argue with them about, about, about things that, that don't matter. Amen? So I'll give, I'll give some of the most... I want to say some of the most notorious examples. There are still people who believe that you shouldn't wear trousers. He says, receive them. Receive them. They believe that if they wear trousers, they have sinned. He said, receive them. But don't, you don't receive them because you want to argue with them whether it is right or wrong. It's not your place to judge. Because those are not weighty matters. Those are not weighty matters. He said, why, why did he say they will receive those who are weak in the faith? He says, because they don't yet understand the extent to which their faith can carry them. He says, so receive them. But not don't receive them so that you can show them that they have faults. No. He said, because one believes that he should eat, he, should, he, should eat, he may eat meat. He may eat all things. But the other one does not believe so and eats only vegetable. Let's continue. Verse 3 says, Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. Amen. Don't, don't, don't be too quick to judge others by what you think that you are doing right or by the actions you think you are doing right. They owe that to God, not you. Especially when it does not have to do with weighty matters. Somebody says, oh, my church, we worship on Saturday. You say, no, you are not a Christian. You don't believe in Christ. If you believe in Christ, you will not worship on Saturday. You will worship on Sunday. How does that make a difference? How does that make a difference? Is God not the God of all days? 
Has he become the God of one day and the God of and then another God reigns over the rest days? Somebody says, Oh, you must carry your hair like this. Another one says, No, I can carry my hair anyway. God accepts me like that. He said, How? So you now judge each other based on the hair that they carry. How? How is that relevant in the scheme of things? He says, Do not judge one another like that. Why? Because every man does whatever they do unto God. It is God who has received each person. It is God who has done what? Received each person. If this person's faith says, Oh, as I am, God has accepted me like this. You are fine. It's between you and your God. My job is to love you. Because they owe owe all they do to God, not to you. I don't owe my salvation to you. Neither do I owe my righteousness to you. I don't owe you an explanation of how I live my life. What you need to know is that I love God. And you are meant to love me and I am meant to love you too. Scripture says comparing themselves with themselves, they became what? They became unwise. You have received a gift. You are dodging another person who has also received the same gift. And trying to tell the person that they are not using the gift that they have received as good as you are using it. Who made you the judge? I read from verse 6. It says, He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and gives God thanks. 7 says, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For, it, for to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. He says, whether you are alive or you are dead, you live to God and you die to God. Why, why, do, you, why do you want to now make people's life become a life that is lived to you? They live their lives to God, not to you. Amen? Say, I live my life to God. Say it louder. Say, I live my life to God. And you are accountable to God. If we live, we live to God. If we die, we die to Him. The summation of our lives is for God. It's not for us to now carry register and begin to mark each other's good deeds. That's not what's required of us. What's required of us is that we love one another. That we carry the nature of God that we have received, which is love, and show it to one another. Amen. Say, I will learn to love. Do you mean it? Okay, if you mean it, say it like you mean it. Say, I will learn to love. You still don't mean it. Say it like you mean it. Say, I will learn to love. You see, some, what happens when we start to judge is that we ourselves become stumbling block in the progress of others. We become a cog in the wheel of progress of others. Your judgment becomes the reason why people don't make progress. In fact, if you read through, I think it's chapter 13, it says, if the meat that you eat becomes the reason why your brother falls, stop eating the meat. There's a, there, let, me, let me give an example of a common dispute. There are people who believe that you should not eat salad meat as Christians. Why are there people who believe that you can eat salad meat? I want to ask you a question. Who made ram? Whether you eat or whether you don't eat, does your faith believe that you should eat 
says if your faith believes that you should eat, you are fine. But if you doubt in your heart whether you should eat or not, and you go and eat, it is sin to you. So the problem, and I think I've said this a couple of times, the problem is not the meat that you ate. The problem is in the heart that ate the meat. The problem is not the meat that was eaten. The problem is in the heart that ate the meat. Because in your heart, you believed it was wrong, yet you went and did it. But if in your heart, you believe that it is right and your faith has covered you, but then it says, if that meat you are going to eat is going to cause the person by your side to misstep because his own faith is not strong enough. That's why it says, receive them who are weak in the faith. Who does not, yet, who does not believe that his faith carries him that, to that point? If your eating of that meat is going to cause him a problem for him, don't eat it. If you look at this example, you realize that they are all talking about the same thing. From the beginning of Romans, says, it says God loves you. God has justified. The justification is by faith in Christ. It's not by the work that you do. That's what the bulk of the book of Romans talked about. Then here it starts to talk about how we live with one another. And he says, receive those who are weak in the faith. Those who do not, whether they believe their faith can carry or they believe that their faith cannot carry. He says, receive all of them. Not because you want to judge them, but because you want to love them and love them. And he says, if the thing, even if you believe and you are going to do that thing, but you know it's going to be a problem for that person, because of your love for him, don't do what will be a problem for him. Because you love him. And you would not want him to stumble. If the job I'm going to give to you is what will make you stumble, stay unemployed. It's cold, right? It's cold. It's true. I know you have, I know you have a, you, you know somebody in church, you are brothers or sisters. You know they have a problem with, you know a guy that has a problem with women. And he's managing his life trying to come out. You go and give him a job in a place where you know that he's going to be meeting many women. And you say you have helped him. How did you help him? You gave him salary and you helped him. After he collects, collects his salary every month, it goes from there. How did you, Tell me how you helped him. It didn't have been better for him to be unemployed. But you see, you must genuinely, genuinely love people. Love people. Don't love so that they can they will say that you love them. Love them because your heart genuinely loves them. And you realize that if you love them, a lot of these examples, they will just fall into place. If I care about you, I will not do what will make you stumble, even if I like the thing. I'm going to be concerned enough. Even if I want to eat the meat, I know that my faith carries the meat. I'm going to just, you know, make come out first. So that I will not become a stumbling block in the will of your progress. The stumbling block that will finally remove your two legs was doing something that my self-righteousness told me was good. Are we together? It says, let's help each other grow. We owe it to each other. We owe it to each other to help each other grow. My responsibility to you, because I love you, to help you grow, is to do whatever I can to help you grow. Amen? My responsibility is to love and help you grow. That's what I owe you. Amen. At the end of the day, we are all going to give account to God. You are not going to give account to me, not to Pastor Obey, not to Reverend Amar, Reverend Duke. You are going to give account to God. It is Him who will judge you. And He's not going to judge the things you did. He's going to judge the heart that did the things you did. That's the truth. He's going to judge the heart that did the things you did. That's why He's going to judge. Why did you do what you did? So I gave a lot of money to my neighbors. Why did you give them money? You give them money so that they will be greeting you every morning and be respecting you. Hey. 
But, oh no, I helped my neighbors. Why did you help them? I helped them because I genuinely felt that they needed help and I wanted to see them, you know, be better. It's him. He's the one that will judge you. It's not me. The best I can do is to give you a word based on what I see. But it's God who judges. Because it's him we are accountable to. It's him that we will give account to. Amen. I like one interesting part. I think it's verse 20 of chapter 14. It says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Let me explain what it means. Do not destroy what is important for the sake of what is not important. Does that make sense? What is important is that people come to know God and that they love him and that they take that love that they have received and go and spread it in their hearts. Don't destroy that important thing with whether you are whether you eat on Sabbath day or you don't eat on Sabbath day, whether you carry hell or you don't carry Don't destroy it with food matter, things that are not serious. That's what Jesus was saying to uh, um, uh, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. That's what he was saying to her. He said, he said, he did not say the food they are going to prepare is not good. Though. But he said, you see, in the scheme of things, this is more important. So he says, this person has chosen to do what is actually more important. So that thing you are trying to do, yeah, that thing you, are, you want to use to judge everybody, it's not a bad thing. But don't, it's not as important as other things. Don't use it to destroy important things. Amen. And usually when we judge people, it's majorly because we believe that we are better than them. No, no. Tell yourself the truth. That you believe that you are better than them. Don't you see me? I don't... My hair is natural, but since the day they gave it to me, I'm like, Samson, no blade. Neither blade nor relaxer. So you begin to teach that as the reason why... I once told somebody that nobody knows the key to this life. Only God does. He said, why? I say, what every man has is, is a record of their experiences or a record of the experiences of other people. You say, how do I know? I, I say, I've seen the things that they say does not work, work for people. I've seen the things that they say work, fail other people. I say, God, it's not the author of confusion. You cannot say this is the way to life. The only way to this life is Christ. Every other thing it's between you and your father, God. But that's me breaking it, taking it a bit far. What everybody has is, is the rule. And the rule is based on what other people have experienced. And other people's experience can become invalid. If certain circumstances become invalid too. In economics, they will, after they finish giving you a principle, Pastor Obey, they will say certain parables. That is all things, all other things being equal. Which means they realize that if something happens to other things, this rule we have given to you now will become invalid. Then you will not carry that same rule on your head. Even though all the other things, all of them have changed, you say, no, this rule remains the same. Then you start to judge everybody by that rule. I went to that church, it's only Yoruba song they used to sing. What kind of church is that? I went to the other church, it's only English song they used to sing. What kind of church is that? Then you start to judge all people that are good there. I don't even understand. Which song did Jesus sing? <laughs> Amen. Tell your neighbor you will give account to God. So before before I, I close, I round up, let me just read the um the last chapters of the last verses of chapter 14. 
from verse 21 says, It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak. To eat meat, or to drink, or to do anything that makes your brother stumble, is not good. Say, what do you eat this morning? You say, I ate rice and fish. It is not good to eat rice and fish. If the rice and fish you ate made somebody else to stumble or become weak. It would be better if you starve. <laughs> what it means is do not, do not say the thing is a good thing and do it in the way that it will make somebody else to fall. 22 says, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. Now whatever, for whatever is not from faith is sin. I think I've talked about this before. He who does not condemn himself in what he approves is very fine. You're okay. Happy is he. He said, but if you doubt, don't go. If you go, you have a problem because you doubted in your heart. In your heart, you believed it was wrong. Why did you yet do it? The summation of what we have read is that we have to love each other. That very justification that God has given by faith is how we do everything that we do in Christ. That's how we do everything that we do in Christ. That's how we live with our neighbors. That's how we relate to those in authority. That's how we, that's how we do everything we do. Every action we take must be taken out of faith and love. Because those are the two things that matter in our relationship with God. That we have received Christ by faith. We have believed in the grace that is made available, available to us by faith. And we live our lives daily by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Say again, I will learn to love. Say, I will learn to love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the CGMI Living Springs Godful Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at CGMI underscore Springs.